So have you ever wondered why we need the Holy Spirit? You know, we think about Jesus and all the amazing things that he did. And we, under, we wonder, why do we need Jesus at all? Who is the Holy Spirit anyways? Sometimes we can think of the Holy Spirit as that guy at the back of the party who we don't know. He's just there, but we just accept him. And sometimes we think of the Holy Spirit like that too. But you see, the Christian life does not make sense without the Holy Spirit. The Christian life does not make any sense without the Holy Spirit. And the reason why we say that is because we need to understand what the Christian life is about. You see, sometimes we think of Christianity, or we look at Jesus with admiration, like we look at other athletes, right? So we'll think of Michael Jordan, or think of Wayne Gretzky. We'll be like, wow, they can do these amazing things, but I could never really do that. And sometimes when we look at Jesus too, we look at them, him in the same way. Well, Jesus, oh, you did all these amazing, amazing things. You loved your enemies. You died. You rose again from the dead. You ascended into heaven. That's amazing. And I admire that, but I can't really do that. But you see, the goal of Christianity is not just admiration. The goal of Christianity is imitation. And that's what St. Paul says to us. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the, imitate, to the image of his Son. And so as Christians, each and every one of us are called to be conformed into the image of Jesus. We're called to be Jesus in this world. But when we think of everything that Jesus has done, we're like, man, I, I could never do that. It seems impossible. And so for many of us, sometimes we feel like we're just striving to do our best and that that's something that's not an unattainable goal. And sometimes for us as well, many people feel like they turn to despair because they're like, I could never do what Jesus did. And this is where the Holy Spirit comes in. And the Holy Spirit helps us in two ways. First, the Holy Spirit gives us the knowledge of how to become like Jesus. And that's what we hear in the gospel. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. And so think about it like this as well. Think about Michael Jordan or Wayne Gretzky. You know, the Holy Spirit is kind of like the coach who teaches them how to, or teaches someone else, right? Imagine if I got the opportunity to be taught by the coach of Michael Jordan, right? He would guide me into the truth of the sport, but the thing is, knowledge is not enough. Michael Jordan's coach could teach me all the special tricks, train me to build up these muscle strength, but I could never dunk like Michael Jordan did. With all the knowledge I'd have, it would never be able to happen. And this is where the Holy Spirit is significant as well, because what if we had, what if I had not just the knowledge of how to be like Michael Jordan, but what if I had the spirit of Michael Jordan? Then you would see me fly. And so in the same way as well, we not only need the knowledge, but we need the ability to be like Jesus. And that's what the Holy Spirit gives to us. The Holy Spirit gives us the, the knowledge 
and the ability to do what Jesus did. And that's why St. Paul says again, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And the Spirit of God truly makes us children of God. It gives us the ability to love like Jesus, to forgive like Jesus, to die and rise again like Jesus. And so imagine if we had the Spirit of God. Where could we get this Spirit of God? And we receive the Spirit particularly in the sacraments. You know, one of the gestures during any sacrament that we celebrate, if you see the priest doing this, the priest is calling down the Holy Spirit, right? We know this happens during Mass, right? The priest calls down the Holy Spirit upon the gifts of bread and wine. But particularly in baptism, in confirmation, that's where we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and it's brought to fruition in our lives. The priest puts his hands over the waters of baptism and he also places his hands over those who are to be confirmed. And so that is where we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's the significance of the Feast of Pentecost today. You know, Pentecost, when we think of Pentecost, it's, we think of it as a Christian feast. But before it was a Christian feast, it was actually a Jewish feast. It was actually one of the three pilgrimage feasts that the people had to celebrate. They would have to go to Jerusalem. One was Passover, and the other was Pentecost, and they had to go to Jerusalem to celebrate it. And what the Feast of Pentecost celebrated for the Jewish people was the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. And so we know the story of Exodus. We know that the Israelites were in Egypt, and they were freed by the Passover lamb, and they wandered through the desert, and then they came to Mount Sinai. And on Mount Sinai, the presence of God came in the presence of fire and cloud and thunder and lightning and with trumpet. And so in the same way too, finally, at the end of that, what happened was that there was also the giving of the Ten Commandments. And so the Israelites, this was important for them, and they celebrated this. It was significant because that was the way they could participate in the covenant. But we all know what happened with the Israelites and how they did with the Ten Commandments. They broke them, right? And that's really the history of the Bible, of the, the history of a people who have fallen, who could not keep the commandments of God. And so the prophet Ezekiel comes onto the scene several hundred years later. And through him, God prophesies that there will be a future time when the people of God will perfectly keep the law. But how are they able to keep the law? Listen to what the prophet Ezekiel says, and God speaks through him. God says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. And so God foretells this future time when the people of God will perfectly keep the commandments of God. And so the new Pentecost comes. And how does the new Pentecost come? It comes with tongues of fire to recall the fire that came on Mount Sinai. And the, and the law is given not on tablets of stone now, but the law is now given on the tablets of our hearts. And that's why we need to pray to the Holy Spirit. Because, to be honest, none of us can keep the commandments of God perfectly. If we did, 
we wouldn't need Jesus. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit to descend and to guide us. And so Jesus did not ascend into heaven to abandon us, but He ascended into heaven to be with us always, the Holy Spirit. Right? That's why the Gospel says today, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever. You see, some of the challenges that most people face in their lives today that I hear in spiritual direction, and even in my own life, is this, and maybe you experience this as well. People say, where is God in my life? I know He loves me. I know He's with me. But I don't feel Him. I don't see Him. Where is He? And you see, God's deepest desire is not only to help us follow His laws, but to lead us and to guide us and to be with us always. That's why when we think about the book of Exodus, we know that God led His people through the desert, right? How did God lead Him? We know that there was the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And so God desired to lead His people through amidst the desert. And so in the same way too, God desires to lead us through the Holy Spirit, through the desert of our lives. And He wants to make His presence known to us. But we need to listen to Him. You know, one of my friends, he was... He was driving one day, and he was driving at night, and he was going pretty fast, and it was a single-lane highway, and then there was uh, just forests on the side. And as he was driving down, he got the sense that he should slow down. And so when he, he started slowing down, probably to around 50, he was going from 100 to 50, and then all of a sudden he saw this ball come out onto the road, and then this little child come out as well. And so if he didn't slow down, he probably would have struck that child. And so he had a sense of the Holy Spirit working in his heart. And for us as well, we need to be attentive and aware of the Holy Spirit working in our lives, guiding us so that we can guide other people. I'll just close with this last story. You know, I got the sense as well one day, my friend, one of my best friends, his wife was pregnant. And I just got this sense that I should offer her the anointing of the sick. Now, normally we don't offer the anointing of the sick to those who are pregnant because, you know, pregnancy is not a sickness, right? But with my friend in particular, she had a blood condition where she, her blood doesn't clot properly. And so if she has any bleeding, she can have uh, extreme bleeding. So anyways, I offered her the anointing of the sick and she said yes. And a couple of weeks later, the baby came out healthy. But what was really interesting, and I found out from the nurses and the doctors later, was that my friend had this condition called vasa previa. And when they looked at her amniotic sac, they were shocked. Because what vasa previa is, is this condition where normally the umbilical cord attaches to the amniotic, amniotic sac, and the veins are all attached there. But in vasa previa, what happens is the veins are actually spread out throughout the, the amniotic sac. And while the baby is gestating, it's fine. But what happens when the sac bursts and the baby is, um, is born into the world? It causes extreme bleeding because the veins are popped and the baby begins to bleed and then the mother begins to bleed. This is a very rare condition. It's 0.04% of pregnancies. But if it's undiagnosed, 
it causes a 95% mortality rate. And so when they looked at her amniotic sac, they were shocked. Like they said, this is a miracle. This, you shouldn't be alive right now. And so am I saying that I, did I save the baby and the mother? No, I didn't do anything. I just I anointed her. But what I did was I allowed God's grace to be present with her in that moment. And so I pray today for a new outpouring of the Holy Spirit on each and every one of you so that you may be like Christ in, its full, in His fullness and that you may listen carefully to His voice and to guide others to the fullness of truth and to the peace of God.